Isaiah chapter 12, starting at verse 1. And also John 14, we'll be going to that as well. Verse 1. Then you will say on that day, I will give thanks to the Lord, to you, O Lord, for although you were angry with me, your anger, your anger is turned away, and you comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. Therefore, you will joyously draw water from the springs of salvation. And in that day, you will say, give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Make them remember that his name is exalted. Praise the Lord in song, for he has done excellent things. Let this be known throughout the earth. Cry aloud and shout for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. And then John chapter 14, John chapter 14, starting at verse 16 and 20. Make sure to uh, mark your spot in Isaiah and John. <laughs> Sorry. You've already turned away, but we'll be uh, going through both of them. John chapter 14, starting at verse 16. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see him or know him. But you know him, because he abides with you, and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Amen. And for the next few minutes, I'd like to preach to you on the thought, in that day. In that day. Amen. Let's pray for the ministry of God's Word today. Lord, we thank you for your presence that's in this place already, oh God. We thank you for every person that has been drawn here to gather together in this house to lift up your name. And Lord, I pray, God, as we minister the word, Lord, that you would use me to minister to your people, that our hearts would be open to receive from you. Lord, that we would not just be hearers of your word, but we would be doers of it, that we would accomplish it in our lives. Have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. In that day. One day can change everything. I remember waking up on the 11th of September 2001 and getting ready for school. Now some of you might snicker at this, but I was in the seventh grade at Fort Zumwalt South Middle School in a suburb outside of St. Louis, Missouri. I remember the whispers that were going around the school and, and overhearing the kitchen staff talking about a plane crash. My social studies teacher was the one that broke the news to us that a plane had flown into the World Trade Center in New York City. Shortly after that class, my mom came and withdrew us from school. She took us uh, to a local McDonald's where we saw the first tower collapse under its own weight. I can't, adequate, I can't adequately explain to you the feeling in America over the coming days and weeks as uh, we grappled with this after the Twin Towers fell. All commercial planes across the entire country were grounded for two full days. The fear and uns uncertainty was almost tangible. 
American flags were everywhere. The country really did rally together for, uh, for months following, but we all knew that everything had just changed. Nothing was going to be the same again. It was all different. The world had changed. Many of you can think of a transformational day in your life. It could be one of loss or it could be one of great gain. For a nurse in the inner city of Sydney, that, that day came in 2019 when she won over $107 million in Australia's biggest individual lottery win. Imagine the, the change that took place in her life in that 24-hour period. You see, the prophet Isaiah, he was talking about not just a life-changing day, but a world-changing day in Isaiah chapter 12 when he wrote this prophecy that we read here this evening. He said, in that day you will praise the Lord. Why will we praise him? Well, because you will be comforted. Because the Lord became your salvation. And you joyfully draw water from the springs of salvation. Listen to the words that the prophet is using. He's saying that you will be comforted in that day. That salvation will come to you in that day. And that you will drink of the springs of salvation in that day. He said, in that day. Well, what day is he talking about? You see, the amazing thing about the Word of God is that you can use Scripture to explain Scripture. You don't have to uh, drag something else into the conversation, but you can actually use Scripture. You don't have to get an outside source. You don't have to fumble around with what a prophecy means, but you can use the Word of God to explain the Word of God. And so Jesus, he peeled back a layer for us in John chapter 14 while he was instructing his disciples at what we call the Last Supper. It was the feast of Passover, and the disciples had procured a room for them to celebrate the feast together. Chapter 13 begins with the Apostle John revealing to us that Jesus knew that the end had come and that he had been betrayed. And it was in that atmosphere that he humbled himself and he washed the disciples' feet, including the feet of the one that was going to betray him. How amazing is that? That even when he knew that person had betrayed him, he still humbled himself and washed his feet. That is the grace and the mercy of our Savior. We know he knew who was going to betray him because a few verses later he told the disciples that one of them was going to betray him. Obviously, they were all shocked. These, these people had left everything to travel with Jesus. They had been together for years, and they had done everything within their power to support Jesus and to do what they could for his ministry, and yet there was going to be one amongst them that was going to betray them, everything that they had worked for. You see, this further dismayed them because the chapter before that, Jesus had told a crowd that he was going to be lifted up, that he was going to die, and that he was going to be lifted up. He was talking about the kind of death that he was going to experience. So you can imagine the dots that the disciples are starting to connect at this moment as they're having this meal together, as they're talking about what is going to take place. And in quick succession, following him saying that this person was going to betray him, Jesus told Judas, he said, do whatever you're planning to do, go do it. Quickly, And then he shared with his disciples that he was going to go away, that he wasn't going to be around much longer. And then when Peter challenged him and said, what are you talking about? You can't go away. You've got to stay here. 
He told Peter that he was going to betray him before the rooster crowed, signifying the beginning of the next day. One gut punch after another. One world-shaking revelation after another to these disciples. They thought that they were preparing for this kingdom that was going to take place. You see, because... Just a, a, just a few days before that, Jesus had entered triumphantly into Jerusalem to shouts of the, from a crowd. And they thought this was their moment. The Messiah was going to take over. And yet in that atmosphere, in that moment, Jesus is saying, no, nothing what you think is going to happen is actually going to happen. I'm going to go away. You're going to betray me. Horrible things are going to take place in the next few days. How could this be? Didn't we just celebrate him? Didn't we just decide that this was the Messiah and everything was now going to fall into place? You see, this is the context to what we read in John 14. All of this was taking place around as Jesus began to talk to his disciples in chapter 14. And he talked to them about how he was going to prepare a place for him. That's, that's where that famous pas passage comes from, that, that he's going to go to his father's house and he's going to prepare a place for him. And, and how many of you have he heard that there are mansions waiting for you in heaven? That's, that's where they get it from in John 14. Uh, 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 you know, if you decipher it a little bit more, it's talking more about a dwelling place, but the King James says mansions, and so we just take that, like, yeah, I'm going to my mansion. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> And so he talks about that. He says, you know, I'm going away, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm not just leaving. And then there are some uh, very famous passages that take place in the following verses in John 14. Verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And in the verse 12, it says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. These are faith-building passages. These are, these, are, these are powerful words from Jesus for us here today. And then he said what we read at the beginning of this message. He's trying to encourage them. He's trying to reveal to them what is about to take place. And so he says this. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper or comforter that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live. You will live also. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Hallelujah. Let me unpack that for you here for a moment. You see, Jesus is saying, in that day, in that day, you will be comforted. It hasn't happened yet, but in that day, you will be comforted. In that day, you will receive the spirit of truth. In that day, I will become your salvation. In that day. That's what Jesus is saying. In that day, you will receive salvation. In that day, I'm going to be the one involved, and I'm going to comfort you, and I'm going to be with you. Hallelujah. I know it may look bleak right now. I know I just told you that I'm heading to the cross. I know I just told you that I'm going to leave you, but just you wait. In that day, it will all make sense. In that day, you will come to an understanding of what I'm really trying to do in this world. In that day, you will understand. 
I know you don't understand it right now, and, and it isn't exactly how you think everything's going to go to, together, but isn't that how Jesus often works? Isn't that how he often works in our lives? We don't always know why everything is going on. We don't always know why things happen. We don't understand all of what is taking place, but we do understand one thing, that if we can trust him, if we can put our faith in him, because he will come through for us. A hundred percent of the time, he will come through for us. He will not leave us comfortless, but he will come to us. He will not leave us as orphans, but he is the father that is above every father. And he will come to you and he will be with you if you put your faith in him. Hallelujah. He will always come through for you. So what day is Isaiah and Jesus talking about? What is the day that they are referring to? You see, before Jesus ascended into heaven after his death and on the cross and his bodily resurrection from the grave, in Luke chapter 24 and in Acts chapter 1, you see, uh, I talked about this in our first previous service, but Luke continues on into Acts. It's the same author, and it's two parts of one story. And so at the end of Luke, it continues on into Acts chapter 1. So in Luke 24, we see his final instructions to the disciples, and he said this. He said, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And, and the continuation is in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Gathering them together, Jesus is speaking, and he tells them, don't leave, go to Jerusalem, stay there, but wait for the, the Father, wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, Jesus said this, you have heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. He said, not many days from now, repentance is going to be preached in my name, in the name of Jesus. And it's going to begin in Jerusalem, and you are going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, which is the promise of my Father. Hallelujah. You see, the same promise that Jesus talked about in John 14, the comforter, the spirit of truth that was going to be with them, he was going to be with them. He was not just going to be with them, but he was going to be in them. The same promise that Jesus talked about in John 14, the spirit of truth, it wasn't just going to be, Jesus wasn't just going to be with them, but he was going to be in them. And in Acts chapter 2, after days of waiting, after days of praying and praising God together, the Bible says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come. Now, now let me pause right there for a moment. Before we get into Acts chapter 2, let me pause right there. You see, the day of Pentecost, or Shabbat, is a Jewish feast that was celebrated 50 days after the feast of Passover. So you see, I mentioned a little bit earlier that, they, that the disciples were Jesus gathered together during that feast of Passover. And it was that weekend that Jesus was actually crucified. And Jews would travel back to Jerusalem for these feasts, for, for Passover, and then again they would travel back for uh, Pentecost or Shabbat. And they traveled back from all over the world to celebrate this feast. So if you follow the timeline, after Jesus rose again, he was with his disciples for 40 days. The Bible says he was with them for 40 days, which means his disciples were waiting in Jerusalem 
for the promise of the Father for at least a week. Because that's 50 days after Passover. He's with them 40 days. So they were waiting for at least a week while they were in Jerusalem. Now remember, these disciples aren't reading a story. Like they don't know the end already. <laughs> They're living this as if you would live your life. They're walking through there day by day. And so they had this belief that Jesus was going to be the Messiah and he was going to rule and reign. And then that was just completely shattered. And then he goes and is crucified. Then he rises again. And then he tells them, wait in Jerusalem. And so day one happens. And day two happens. And day three happens. And day four happens. And they're still waiting. And they're still praying. And they're like, well, did we just imagine all of that? Is this real? Is this something that's actually going to Imagine, they're real people. They're going through all of this. And so they're in that upper room. They are waiting. They're spending time together. They didn't know when the Holy Spirit was going to be born. We know it's on the day of Pentecost. They don't know that. And so they're waiting. They don't know when it's going to happen. All they had to rely on was a promise from God. And there are moments in your life, there are moments in my life on this journey of life that all you're going to have to hang on to is a promise from God, is a word from God. You may not understand why things are taking place. You may not understand why certain things are happening. All you may have is a promise. All you may have is a word from God. Hallelujah. And I want to encourage you to hold fast to that promise. Hold fast to the promises of God. Hold fast to the word of God in your life. It's, if he has spoken it over your life, he will fulfill it in you. If he has given you a promise, he will fulfill it in your life. Is he, if he has given you a word, remember that word. Trust in that word. Have faith in the word of God. Stand on his word because he will fulfill the promises that he has given you, wait on the Lord. And again, I say, wait on the Lord. Hallelujah. And he will come through for you. Hallelujah. And on that day, on that day, someday became today. Hallelujah. On the day of Pentecost, someday became Today. They didn't have to wait any longer. They didn't have to wait any longer, but the promise had come. The Bible says, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. You see, the comforter had come. The comforter had come. The day had finally arrived, the day that Isaiah had prophesied all the way back in Isaiah 12, the day that Jesus had talked about all the way back in John 14, the comforter had come, the spirit had come, and the world would never be the same. The world would never be the same. In one miraculous moment, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit speaking in other tongues. How did they know that they had received the Spirit. Well, they began to speak in a language that they didn't know. For some of them, it was an earthly language, but for others, it was a heavenly language. It was a sign to them. It was a sign to others that, that God now lives there, that the Holy Spirit had filled them, that they had received the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. They spoke in a language that they did not understand. The Comforter had come. Hallelujah. As I hurry to a close, if I could please get Steph to come. I don't want you to, to miss this. You see, earlier in John chapter 7, 
Jesus declared that he who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Then the author himself clarifies that in John 7, and he says, but this Jesus spoke of the Spirit, whom they, those who believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Why do I point that out? That might sound completely random. Because Isaiah prophesied about it. You see, he said, in that day, they would joyfully draw water from the springs of salvation. In that day, the Lord would become their salvation. In that day, they would be comforted. Those who needed comfort would receive comfort from God. In that day, the rivers of living water began to flow. You see, the disciples who were filled with the Spirit, they spilled out into the streets of Jerusalem, speaking in tongues and glorifying God. And a crowd quickly gathered that day, and, and questions started flying all about them. They're saying, what does this mean? What is going on? And the Apostle Peter, he stood up with the other 11 disciples. The only other time that they were all gathered together, all 12 of them stood up, and he began to preach. You see, it's very important that they were all together. They were unified in this message. This was going to be the message for the church. On the birthday of the church, as the Holy Spirit is poured out, this was going to be the message, and it was so very important. And so Peter, he begins to preach to them that day. And as the crowd was listening to the words of Peter, as the crowd was listening to the message of Peter, they realized that they needed to change. They realized that they were sinners in need of salvation. That they needed to make a change in their life. That they needed to turn away from what they were doing and turn towards God. He preached them to a moment of complete conviction. And in verse 37, we read another question that they asked. And it's one of the most important questions found in Scripture. They said, what do we need to do? How can we fix this? I'm broken. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn. What do I need to do? You see, they knew, they knew that they needed a Savior. They knew that they needed someone who could pull them out of the mire, who could change their life. In that moment, they believed that Jesus was their Savior. They believed that he was the Messiah, and yet the question was still asked, what do we need to do? Peter responded. He said, repent. Repent. Repentance is just turning away from sin and turning to God. It's making a decision that I'm not going to live the way that I have been living, but I'm going to make a conscious decision that I'm turning towards God. I'm turning my orientation. I'm going to follow after Jesus. I'm going to repent. He said, repent and each one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. He used that, that, that uh, 
phraseology on purpose. He used that phrase on purpose. This is a very important message. He's saying you need to be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. It's not just joining a church. It's not just being part. It's not just being called a Christian. But he's saying your sins are going to be forgiven. And that's in line with Luke 24. When Jesus said, he was the one that said that repentance was going to be preached in his name. And the forgiveness of sins. It was going to be in the name of Jesus. Jesus said it in Luke 24. And Peter, he caught those words and he said, this is what you need to do. If you want to change, if you want to turn towards God, this is what you need to do. You need to repent. You need to be baptized, not just to join a church, but for the forgiveness, the removal of your sin, the washing away of your sin. You see, Paul, when he experienced conversion, Ananias said to Paul, he said, arise, be baptized, wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord over and over in Scripture. Baptism is linked to forgiveness of sins. You can walk away in newness. Of life. He said, repent. He said, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Everyone, not just a few, not just Christians, but every single person. In the name of Jesus Christ for their forgiveness of sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But I'm so glad that he didn't stop there because that means that the message isn't for just for the people that were there that day. But he continued. He said, the promise is to you. He's talking to the crowd. And then he says, it's to your children. He doesn't stop there. He doesn't say it's just for your children, but it's to everyone. It's to all that are far off, as many as call on the name of the Lord. And if you have called on the name of the Lord, this promise is for you. You can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Comforter can come into your life. You can drink of the waters of salvation. The promise is to you. It's to your children. It's to all that are far off, as many as we'll call on the name of the Lord. You see, it doesn't have to just be that day. It doesn't have to just be their day, but it can be your day. Today can be your day. It doesn't have to just be in that day, but it can be in your day, in your present, and in your tomorrow. Because the promise is for everybody. It's for everybody. And that is why we are here today. That is why we gather on the Central Coast, because the promise is for everybody and you can receive. Please stand, please stand. Hallelujah. 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 The promise is for everybody. Hallelujah. You can believe on the Lord as your Savior here today. You can Repent here today. You can turn away from sin and turn to the Lord. You can be baptized in the name of Jesus. I know it's a little cold, but we can figure out a way that you can be baptized. That's how important it is to us. We will make sure that we figure out a way that you can be baptized and have your sins washed away in the name of Jesus. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit in this altar here today. You can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He is still pouring out His Spirit here today. Just this weekend at our, at our youth on Friday, at our youth service down in Sydney, two people received the Holy Spirit for the very first time. And this morning in our two services, we had 13 people receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. His Spirit is still being poured out. And at our last preview service, we had someone receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the first time. You can receive it today. It is for everybody. Our God is no respecter of persons, but He is willing to fill whosoever will. Hallelujah. 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 
so many of us can testify of the fact that he has changed our life. That one day we had our today experience. And then every day was different. Nothing was the same. We couldn't walk the same way. We couldn't talk the same way. We couldn't live the same lifestyle. Why? Because my one day became today. And now my future is forever changed. Because I'm on a journey to become more like Jesus Christ. I'm on a journey to fulfill the will that God has for my life. I'm on a journey to try and convince as many people that they too can receive the Spirit of God. And their lives too can be changed forever. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Let's pray. I feel the Spirit of God so thick in this place here today. If I could please get some of the singers to come. Not everybody, but a few of them can come. Let's pray. Lord, Lord Jesus, we thank you, God, for your Spirit. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in this place, for what you're stirring in our hearts, oh God. We thank you, Lord, for pouring out your Spirit so many years ago on the day of Pentecost. But we know, we know that it's not just for back then, it's not just for them, but it is for us today. Hallelujah, and I pray, Lord, every single person under the sound of my voice, that they would hear the word today and they would not just be hearers of it, but that they would be doers of it, that they would respond to the word that has been preached and realize that their day can be today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm just going to lead us through a prayer of repentance. Whoever wants to join us, I'm not going to make any of you, obviously, but if you'd like to join us in that prayer of repentance, and then we're just going to pray. And if you'd like to receive the Holy Spirit, you can put your hand up. You can come here to the front. Just coming to the front is just giving you an opportunity to, to show your faith that, that you want God to do a work in you. But if you want to pray where you're at, please just raise your hand. We'd love to pray with you. But let's just pray a prayer of repentance together, and then... We'll see what the Lord will do. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, Lord, we come before you tonight, God. We thank you so much for your sacrifice at Calvary. We thank you so much for what you did for us those many years ago, God, for surrendering yourself, for becoming our salvation. You were the one that came, and you became our salvation. And God, we repent of our sins, Lord. We're sorry, God, for the sins that we have committed, the things that have pushed us away from you, Lord, the commitments that we have made that have made us turn our back on you. And Lord God, we make a decision that we are going to turn towards you today. Hallelujah, that we are going to follow after you, that we are going to put our faith and our trust in you, that, that after today, every day forward is going to be different. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Let's just pray. Let's lift up our hands and start praying as they begin to sing. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> hallelujah, hallelujah. If it's comfortable, please pray with the person next to you, Lord, so they know that they're not by themselves. Let's pray for one another. Let's encourage one another and see what the Lord will do in this place here tonight. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are so good, God. Hallelujah. We desire more of you, Jesus. We desire more of you in our life, Lord. We desire more of you in our family, God. Hallelujah, Lord. We worship you. We glorify you, God.